Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, Lindsay's fired up. Fired up. Fired up, big red, fired up. Okay, sorry, I couldn't help it. Had to. Fired up, fired up, big L, you know. Anyways, if you have a Bible, we're going to start in Zechariah chapter 9. Now, with Palm Sunday, as you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen. But uh, like, like, uh, like Kelsey said, we pass out some palm branches. Now, you know, obviously, if you didn't know, spoiler alert, these may not be the exact replicas of the palm branches that they waved. But the whole goal is it's a sign of remembrance. You know, by the end of, by the, end of the service, some of y'all may not want the palm branches the way the direction we're going to be going. But it's a sign of remembrance, amen? Remembering that what he did for us, we get to celebrate that today. We get to celebrate him returning to Jerusalem and starting it all. Now, in your, in your Bible, Palm Sunday is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And because I am, a, because I am me, today we're going we're gonna to kind of jump around a little bit. But we're going to use scriptures from or verses from all four of the Gospels to paint a mosaic picture. Amen. So it's going to, it's going to, on screen, it's going to look like, man, we're going here, we're going there. But if you stay with me, we're painting a picture from start to end, from finish to end. Somebody say from finish or from the beginning. Sorry, there we go. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm already ready. I'm, I'm there. I'm like, let's go. Let's go. But from beginning to end, there we go. Lord, help me this morning. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Did I say that right? I did say that right. That's, see, that's where I'm at. It says this, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. It's quiet in this Presbyterian house. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. Watch this. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is, what's that word? Humble, Humble riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Amen. Now, let's skip over to John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. In the Passion Translation, it says this, Six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead, that he had, they had prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Watch this, Mark 11, verse 1 through 7. Now, as they were approaching Jerusalem, they arrived at the place of the stables near Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus... This is after he did the, the supper with Mary and, and Lazarus. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, As soon as you enter the village ahead, you will find a donkey's colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks, why are you taking it? Tell them, the master needs it and will send it back to you soon. So they went and found the colt outside in the street, tied to a gate. When they, sta- when they started to untie it, some people standing there said to them, Why are you untying that colt? They answered, Just as Jesus had told them, The master needs it, and he will send it back to you soon. So the bystanders let them go. The disciples brought the colt to Jesus and piled their cloaks and prayer shawls on the young donkey, and Jesus rode upon it. So why does this event sound familiar? The reason it sounds familiar is because what we read in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, literally says that the, that the king in all power and glory would come. The righteous king will come, but he would be humble enough to ride upon a donkey. 
So therefore, what we read in Zechariah, understand this, there's 550 years between Zechariah and Jesus. Let me give you some history real quick because I love history. There is 550 years between Zechariah and Jesus. So, Lindsay, what are you saying? I'm saying is what we read in Zechariah was a prophecy. And what we just read was Jesus fulfilling the prophecy. So, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus is the fulfillment of all things. Somebody say that with me. Jesus is the fulfillment of all things. So, if we can time out for a minute, what is it that you are desiring in life? If it's not rooted in Jesus, then... It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. If he's the fulfillment of all things, and what you desire is outside of the will of God, we count that as a no. You'll stress. You'll strive. You'll toil. You'll work by the sweat of your brow trying to achieve something that was never meant for you. That was never meant for you. I love my son Kellen. I want him to love the things that his father loves, but there's just some things he don't love. He don't love, and it hit me the other day, you know what, this six-year-old just recognizes that, that this one thing ain't for him. These different things that daddy loves that he don't, they, they just ain't for him. Like, his daddy loves sushi. Oh, man, I love me some sushi. I dream about it sometimes. I can eat it. I got, we, you, you do a sushi buffet right now, boom, bada bing, bada boom, I'm good. I don't know what y'all going to do, but I know about what I'm going to do. And, you know, I want him to love it so much. He, he kind of loves, bar- he kind of likes barbecue. He definitely loves pizza. He definitely loves burgers. But when it comes to sushi, I'm like, Kelly, you want some sushi? No. I don't. I don't. I'm a good daddy. I'm not going to harm you. The scripture says, I would never hurt you, Kelly. I would never harm you. This ain't going to hurt you. I don't want that. He recognizes that that just ain't for him. He recognizes that, you know, that might be the, that, that, that might be for you, but for me, that, that's not me. Sometimes we need to be able to recognize, okay, uh, you know, what everybody else is doing, that's good for them, but what's the will of my father? Because that's what I need to be replicating, amen? In John chapter 12, verse 9, 9 through 11, literally says, when the word got out that Jesus was not from Jerusalem, a large crowd, uh, a large crowd came out to see him. And they also wanted to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 10, this prompted the chief priests to seal their plans to do away with both Jesus and Lazarus. For his miracle testimony was irrefutable. How awesome is that? Be the testimony of your life. When people look at what God has done in your life and it's irrefutable. Amen? Amen. Irrefutable and was persuading many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. Luke chapter 19 says, after they brought the colt to Jesus, they placed their prayer shawls on its back, and Jesus rode it as he descended from the Mount of Olives toward Jerusalem. As he rode toward the city, people spontaneously threw their prayer shawls like a carpet on the path in front of them. They did this to signify that he was the king. Lindsay, why did they throw prayer shawls? Well, if you, we're not going to turn there, but if you do some research in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13, that's what the nation of Israel did to declare somebody that was a king. They would throw their prayer shawls, they would throw their cloths, they would throw a carpet out onto the ground. And the king would hop on the strongest, the strongest horse because that reflected his nature. That reflected his, that reflected his strength and his might. And he would proceed through the, through the village, proceed through the town on the carpet that was laid upon the ground, laid by the people as they would submit to the king. But he would choose the strongest horse. But Jesus, hey, hey. The upside-down kingdom is heaven, amen? Jesus, listen, Jesus is all-powerful. 
Jesus had more. He, was, he, had, he had the right to choose the strongest horse. He had the right to go to the stable that had the best and strongest steeds. But instead, the Bible says that this righteous king would be humble enough to choose a donkey. Well, Lindsay, what's, what's, what's so, you know, opposite or what's so off-putting about a donkey? Well, you know, last time I checked, you know, when you see the Christmas commercials, the little Budweiser commercial, they got, the, they got the, those nice horses. I can't even think of the name of it. The Clydesdale. You don't see no Clyde's donkeys <laughs> pulling the Budweiser wagon. You see the Clydesdales. You ever, you ever seen one close up? I've seen one close up. It's intimidating. For me, it's intimidating because they're, they're so muscular, so big. I'm like, ooh. And when, they, and, when they, and when they make a sound, it's not like a, it's a, and I say, ooh, you feel the thunder in it. I've been around a donkey. A donkey's an annoying sound. I ain't going to do it to y'all. I've been blessed to be around a donkey. On my old mail route, I got to be around one, scared the mess out of me. It was just the most awkward sound I've ever heard. I'm like, what the? I was like, that a, that's a donkey? And then I think of Shrek. And I'm like, oh, hey, donkey, you know, like. <laughs> And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus, he didn't choose the strongest horse. He chose a donkey to ref- because it was reflective of his nature, how he was meek and mild and willing to get down on our level. Willing to, when the, when the people accused the woman of adultery, instead of him joining in the accusations, he, well, he slumps down. And just, and we don't know what he was writing in the dirt. That's one of the things I can't, when I get to heaven, that's one of the number one things. I, Jesus, what was you writing in the dirt? Everybody wants to know, but I want to know, what was you writing? Was you just drawing? Was you just doodling? What, what was you doing? Was you writing something deep that we would only, you know, discover? It? What, what was it? But Jesus being the opposite of the, of the kings on this side of heaven, he decided to ride on a donkey. Most kings will ride in on a horse, but the true king, the true upholder of the cosmos enters in on a donkey. Amen. Let's continue the story. Now watch this in Matthew 21, 8 through 11. Verse 8 says, A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road like we were talking. Others were cutting branches from the palm trees and spreading them on the road. Henceforth, that's why, you know, we get the name Palm Sunday. Amen? Amen. Verse 9, Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, I love this next part, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the who? The Lord, Hosanna in the what? Oh, oh, y'all smiling. You are, that, that must sound familiar. That must sound familiar. Does that sound kind of familiar? I mean, we sang that earlier. See, we set you up good. Today's a setup, and now you're about to get the punchline. Hallelujah. But we set you up good. If it doesn't sound familiar, let me remind you. Hosanna, Hosanna. And I, I, I didn't even tell Dre this, but she might have figured it out. But that, that, that song isn't, you know, fresh off the cuff. and ain't fresh off the cutting threshing room floor. Man, that's, that's an older song. But it's a powerful song. And what's, what's so funny when, when, you know, when we was practicing this morning, I watched Kelsey and the boys when they came in. They came in a little later. And, you know, she set her stuff down. But when we, when we got to the chorus, instantly she's like, Hosanna. Because it, it hits something. It hits you. It, when you have an understanding of who Jesus is in your life, it, it's, it's natural for you to be like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. See, it's hard for me to stop. I got to do it one more time. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And I love it because that's what they were doing. They, they may not have been singing Hillsong, but they were shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the one that's coming on our behalf. 
Blessed be the one that didn't ride on a horse, but is riding on Hosanna in the highest. Somebody say Hosanna. Hosanna. In Luke chapter 19, watch this. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him as they were yelling, Hosanna, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silence, the stones would cry out. Oh, I love this. Some translations say, Jesus said, you know, if, if they keep quiet, then the rocks would cry out. When I was a kid, I used to hear my dad say that the rocks would cry out if we keep quiet. Tell me, tell me you're a boss. Tell me you're a king without telling me you're a king. That's what Jesus was doing in that moment. They were like, hey, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus, he didn't have to, he didn't have to say he was the king. He said in this statement, Man, if, they, if they be silent, the rocks going to cry out. What? What kind of statement is that? That was, that was his way of saying, I'm the king of all things. Amen. See, that was his way of, you know, not, you know, Jesus wasn't saying that the rocks will cry out and praise him because he is insecure and needs our affirmation. But he's saying that because he is the real master of the universe. He is the one we've talked about before, but he is the one that light was created through. He is the one that the mountains and oceans, the geographical landscape was created through. He is the, we talked about two weeks ago, he is the radiant splendor of the Father. See, when you look at the sunshine, we talked about before, but when you look at the sunrise, do you see the sun? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. I said, or do you see the sun rays? I said, because see, you can't look at the sun, but you can look at the rays of the sun, and instantly your mind knows, here comes the sun. Woo! Jesus is the radiant splendor of the Father. We, you may not be able to look at the Father, but you can look at Jesus and see the Father. Jesus said it best in John chapter 14. If you've seen me, oh, I'm talking to somebody this morning, whether you sleep or not. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus. So when he said the rocks are going to cry out, either way, he was saying this. I've said the rocks will cry out because I'm the master of the universe. I am the one. I'm the radiant splendor of the Father. Jesus is the lily in the valley. That's one of my favorites. He is the lily in the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the alpha and the omega, like we say. He is Hosanna in the highest. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Commission got the best. He is the strong and mighty, the one that the armies are submitted to. He is the one one that can release all of heaven's angels upon your behalf when you need it. He is the one that we take all of our comfort, we take all of our burdens, and we put it upon him, and we receive his yoke of easiness, his yokes of lightness. He is the one, the bright and morning star church. He is the master of the universe. So when Jesus was like, hey, if they don't praise me, the rots are going to cry out. You know what it makes me think of? Oh, he's a boss. Not just a boss, he's the boss. And like, can, can, I, can I tell you how I think? When I'm reading this, it reminded me of the Bruce Lee movie I used to watch as a teeny bopper with my dad. And there was this one time he watched this Bruce Lee movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in it. And in this, in this movie, the way it sets up, I'm going to spoil it for you, okay, in case you don't go watch it. I'm going to help you out. The way it sets up, literally he starts on the low level, and he's got to get to the boss. ha, <laughs> ha. Woo! He's got to get to the boss. At every level, he's got to fight somebody else. Now, as a kid, I didn't realize what this meant. But now I'm like, oh, Jesus. Every level, there was somebody else that was committed to the boss. Every level, there was somebody else that was pledging allegiance to the boss to the point that they were defending. I'm not just talking about, like, actual fighters. But there's one level, he gets up and he sees a janitor that's pushing him up. And the janitor sees him and sees a threat to his boss. And instantly, in the movie, he breaks the broomstick and whoo, ready to go. And I'm like, oh, you know. I remember as a kid, I'm like, I want to be that ready. 
Even as a kid, I was like this. I want to be that ready. But every person in the movie was pledging allegiance to the boss. Why? Because they knew who their boss was. So guess what? They're, even if the rocks don't cry out, <laughs> the birds have a song that sings and reflects the glory of the Lord. Even if the birds don't sing, the lions, the little king in the jungle, has a roar that reflects the glory of the Lion of Judah. Even if, the, even if the lions don't sing, the oceans, the way they move as they're constantly moving reminds us that God is constantly in our life. Guess what? Even if the waters ain't moving, your body is made up of most of water reminding us that in him we live. <laughs> in him we move. In him we have our existence. If we don't praise him, all of creation knows who the boss be. Look at somebody say, hey, do you know who the boss is? I'm here, church. Are you here this morning? Are you here this morning? I'm, I'm here with my palm. I'm here with my palm singing Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. See, if you've been through something, you know, oh, that, that's Hosanna. That's the one that's going in my place. It ain't Easter, but I'm ready to go there. Woo! Some of y'all are like, dang, Lindsay's on something. I am. I'm on that Hosanna. That's funny. What you, I'm on that Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Mm. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. glory. So let's finish this up. In John chapter 12, verse 17 through 19. We ain't done. Don't, don't think that. There's more. There's more. Wait, there's more. But John chapter 12, verse 17 through 19, it says, All the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. So it was the miracles that Jesus spread the news about Jesus. It was the thing, it was the miracle about Jesus that spread the news about Jesus. And first John, John literally says that we overcome by the what the blood and lamb and the word of our test. So if if your co-workers, we we love to be like, man, my co-workers, they don't know Jesus. Well, what you why ain't you spreading it? My family don't know about it. My family ain't saved. Well, why ain't you spreading it? Because it literally said that all these people came because they heard. Yes. Heard. Yes. Is your family hearing the gospel coming out of your mouth? Is, the, is your family, is your coworkers, is your boss hearing the goodness of God coming out of your mouth? Romans chapter 1, Paul said, it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Yes. Lindsay, why are you stepping on my toes? Because this is, this is what we should be about. Our allegiance to the boss. Our allegiance to the boss. Watch this in Luke chapter 19. I said all that just to get to here. Somebody say, we here. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 through 44. This is the part that broke me. Verse 41 says, when Jesus caught sight of the city. So as he's riding on the donkey, he's literally coming down the Mount of Olives. And as they've laid the carpet out on the ground, as they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, highs as they're waving their palm branches like some of y'all didn't worship. I was so proud. I was like, Lord, look at us. We waving them. So that's all that is going on as he's riding on the donkey. Can I, can I time out for a minute? If, if, if you're riding, if, if people are proclaiming that you are, you know, the king, if people are proclaiming I'm the king, I'm like, you know, sometimes one of my boys, we have, we have very few moments, but there's moments where sometimes, like, even yesterday, we're, we're at uh, Slim Chickens, and Kenan's like, I'm thankful for my father. I'm like, you know, I'm proud. But in this, as they're proclaiming, as they're proclaiming their worship to him, 
It says in verse 41, when Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem. Verse 42, watch this, saying, if only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. He's not crying like we would if somebody were to give us praise. You know, we'd be crying tears of joy. He's weeping. His heart is broken. It's the opposite. Now, if you haven't learned anything from me, Jesus and following Jesus is the opposite of how we think. It's the opposite of how this world thinks. That's why he wants to transform you and renew your mind. Amen? But it's the opposite. And the fact that he's, he, all this is going on, the Bible says that he is weeping. He bursts into tears. Not, not just like a little tear. It's uncontrollable. You ever cried uncontrollably before? You ever just cried so much that you, 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 you can't, you don't know what else to do. You've lost all consciousness. That's what's going on right here. It says he's weeping with tears uncontrollably over Jerusalem. Why? Because if only you could recognize that this day a peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. Ultimately, Jesus can see what's coming, which is Israel's rejection of him as their true king. That's why he's crying. That's one of the reasons he's crying. Because he hears them saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. But he knows that those same people with that same breath that are worshiping will be saying, crucify him. We'll say, get rid of, hey, give us Barabbas. We, we don't want him. Give us Barabbas. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. He knows that those same people that are laying the cloth down for him and saying that he's the king, saying with their mouth, in their heart, they're saying something else. In their heart, they're saying something else. Don't, don't let that be your testimony. See, what Palm Sunday really should be about, it should be a reminder of, hey, is my worship for real? Is my allegiance to the boss, is it for real? Or when things get rocky, I'm going a different way. And we'll talk about it next week, but, I mean, when things got super tight, when things got super uncomfortable, the Bible says that the disciples abandoned him. Now, I'll be honest, after all they've been through, they've seen, this, they've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They've seen him turn water to wine. They've seen a man, the only man, walk on water. They seen him do all that, and you abandoned him now? Jesus is weeping because he knows that everybody that's praising him, those are the same people that will say, get rid of him. Kill him. We don't want him. We don't need him. We, he's worth nothing to us. And in fact, give us the terrorist. Give us the one that is committed to destroying all human life. Give us that person. Don't give us Jesus. And I'll be honest, if that was me, I'll be, I'll be weeping uncontrollably too. So this palm branch isn't just, a, isn't just a reminder of us to worship him, but it's a reminder, hey, when I see this, is my worship for real? Because decades ago, people that waved these at Jesus were the same people that said crucify him. The same people that said he was the king with their mouth, with their hearts said, no, nah, we, don't, we don't want what he has to offer. Don't let that be your testimony, church. Don't let that be your testimony. Don't let the testimony of your life be in that you never recognize that God is with you. It's easy to get in a storm and feel like we are a ship on an island. We're a ship that is all by ourselves. Feel like we are we're the only ones out on sea. Feel like we're the only ones that are lost in sea. Feel like we're the only ones that are going through the problems. Feel like we're the only ones at work that have to deal with this. Feel like we're the only ones that have to deal with that. But at the end of the day, don't let that be your testimony 
of you uh, when people say, when they look over your life, or better yet, when heaven looks at your life, and the testimony of your life is never or failure to recognize that the Almighty was with you at all times. I don't, I don't want that as my testimony. You don't, can, let me talk to you for a minute. You don't need that as your testimony. Let the opposite be said about you. When somebody says, oh, man, there goes, what do you know about Drea? Man, that's somebody that walks with God and knows that God walks with her. When people say, hey, there goes, there goes Pastor Kelsey. What do you know about Pastor that, That's somebody that knows that, in, that she is in God and, and God is in her. And if it wasn't for God, then she would not even exist. When, when, people, when people look at you, what, are they, what, what, what kind of assumptions are they able to make? Are they able to make, oh, man, that's somebody with God. That's somebody in God. Or that's somebody that gives good lip service. That's somebody that's great at singing on Sunday mornings, great at clapping along, great at coming to church, and great at doing the attendance thing, great at reading the scriptures. But at the end of the day, when, a, when the rubber meets the road, their allegiance to the boss is, it's not even there. It's not even there. These folks, they were just cheering they were just cheering for Jesus, the ones that were putting the clothes down for him to walk on, and they were waving the palm branches, which obviously is a sign of joy and victory. But in their hearts, they didn't have joy and they didn't have victory. Listen, it's the praise of the people as Jesus was riding in on donkey. That praise was surface level at best. It was surface level praise. See, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, in the water before. Have you ever been in the ocean? I remember one time, Last time I was in the pool. I've been underwater in the pool. Now, when we lived at the beach, we was out in the ocean. I didn't duck, I didn't duck my head underwater out in the ocean. Because see, in the pool, you know what's at the bottom of the pool? The pool floor. The pool floor. So therefore, watch this. In the pool, the surface looks just like underneath. Just a little bit deeper. But in the ocean, the surface and what's underneath the surface, two different worlds. See, on the service level, oh, I'm good on the service level. I was good, you know, be bopping around. I squat down, make it look like I'm doing something, you know. But still, my feet, I could feel sand underneath. As long as I could feel the sand, I was good. Some of the, we took the youth out one time, and they were going out further. I'm like, y'all come on back. No, Pastor Lindsay, come on here. No, Pastor Lindsay, hey, y'all come on back here. Come on back where the sand, you, this, is, this is where the sand is. We're going to stay right here. When the water comes up, we get, woo, you know, but y'all going, no, mm-mm, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hey, y'all didn't sign no waivers or anything, so get, come on. Get back up here. Get back up here. All right? So, and, but on the surface, it looks one way, but underneath is a whole nother world. What does your worship look like? Does, does it look like what it looks like on the surface? And what it looks like on the surface is what it looks like all across this town. What it looks like all across America. What it looks like all across the world. Or, or is your worship... Your face-to-face fellowship, is it otherworldly? Ah, Does it look like what's underneath the surface? Does it look like something that is vastly different, something that is deep, something that is allegiant to the boss, something that recognizes that Jesus is the master of the cosmos, and without him you are nothing, but with him you are everything. Lindsay, when you say my worship, remember, we're not talking about just singing. We're, we're talking about that face-to-face fellowship, that face-to-face communion with him. Remember, we said it before, but he desires to you, for you to be a person that communes with him on the daily. Again, can, I, can I tell you this? 
Can I tell you this? When it comes to people, you can talk too much to people. Oh, man, I'm there. You can talk too much to your mama and your daddy. You can talk too much to your boss. You ever talk too much to somebody? And you're like, should have said that. But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Father, Son, and Spirit, you can't talk too much to them. You get to the point the devil make you feel like, man, you said too much, and the Holy Spirit's leaning in. Hey, and we're, we're right here. Keep, keep going. Let, let's, let's keep this line of communication open. And Jesus is weeping because he, he, he's not seeing that in the hearts of people that are throwing their worship upon him. He's seeing the opposite. He's able to peer into the future, and he knows that these same people that are cheering for him later will be cheering to crucify him. This is why God looks at our heart. Not at your traditions, not at what you say you're going to do. You know, one of, my, one of my favorite songs literally says that, all glory to the Father, I've been about it. I love that line. He, did, he, did, he doesn't say, all glory to the Father, I worship you. No, he says, all glory to the Father. I've been about glory to the Father. See, there's a difference between you giving lip service and you serve him. You've been serving him. There's a difference between, you know, saying, I'm running for the Lord and you, you're running for the Lord. There's a difference between saying, you know, Alpha and Omega, we worship you, our King, versus when things get tight, the first person you run to is the Alpha. And, you know, the buck stops with the Omega. Not the buck stops with if the long goes through. Not the buck stops with if I get this cosign. Not the buck stops with if they give me more hours. Not the buck stops with if this person is removed from my life. No, the buck stops with the boss. Do you know who the boss be? That's why I should have titled this. Who the boss be? Do you know who is the master of the cosmos? And I'll close with this. When I was a kid, I used to, I used to love to watch He-Man. I don't know, anybody remember He-Man? Anybody ever heard of He-Man? I used to love it because He-Man, it literally, the phrase was He-Man and the masters of the universe. And one time, I, you know, Kellen was like, I'll, I'll, I'll blame Kellen and Keenan. They was like, Daddy, can you go to the comic book store? I was like, sure, I'll go for y'all. I'll go for y'all, you know, low-key. I was like, well, yeah, sure. I love going. But they were like, hey, can you get us a Sonic comic book? I'm like, all right, yeah. So I'll go, and I'm looking, you know, because you know, I don't want to be there. For those that know me, I don't want to be at the comic book store looking for, you know, a comic. <laughs> but as I'm looking, I pass by this one that says He-Man. And I'm like, oh, I remember He-Man. And let me remind you, I hadn't done anything spiritual that morning. I mean, I guess I'd read, I kind of spent a little time in prayer, but, you know, watch some ESPN, watch, watch some, you know, some other show, just normal stuff, drink some coffee, normal stuff. And as I'm passing by this book and it says, He-Man is, I see, I see that He-Man and the masters in the universe. And instantly, I'm not to sound super churchy, instantly within me is like, well, that's wrong. And I was like, what was that? Pit up the book and I'm like, Lord, is that you and me in here? Like, what are you doing? And I'm, he's not the master of the universe. And I'm like, oh, no, Lord, he's not. And I'm like, Shonda, yes. I had to put that book down. I'm like, ooh, ooh, Jesus, what you doing, Jesus? What you doing, Jesus? I'm getting giddy. He's like, you okay, Lindsay? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm over in the corner just, ooh. I was like, Lord, he ain't the master of the universe. Jesus, you're the master of the universe. 
And as you know, as I pay for the stuff and leave, and as I'm driving, driving back home, I'm like Lord, you, Lord, that was so cool. Lord, you are the master of the universe. And by the by, the, by the time I got back to Westover, I'm I'm deep in. I'm like Jesus, you are my master of my universe. You are the one that makes my world turn. Everything that I consider to be a part of my life that's good, it's because of you. Everything that you've prevented or prevented me from having to endanger myself, with, it's because of you, Lord. You are the master of the cosmos. Jesus, you are the boss. Lord, you are, you are the sovereign God. As John P. Key said, Lord, you are sovereign. You can do whatever you want to, when you want to, how you want to. Why? Because you are the boss. And Jesus, I love you. Lord, I want my life to say I love you. Lord, I want, I want my kids to know that when, they, when somebody says, hey, what's your dad's like? Man, he is a kooky, nerdy Jesus lover. As long as they add that last Jesus lover. Church, what, 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 what are people saying about you? And I know we, we shouldn't be so focused on the opinions of man, but I'm saying it to point, out, point this out. Is it, if Jesus, let's say, would Jesus grieve over your worship like he did riding the donkey? Now, there's more to it in verse 42. It says that literally he could see into the future. He knew that the nation of Israel would fall to the Roman government. The walls will be destroyed. The churches, the buildings will be destroyed. And he knew that was coming as well. But he knew that was coming as a result of their failure to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Lindsay, how does that line up? Because if they would have recognized Jesus as the Messiah, they never would have put so much strength and worth into all these other different things. Therefore, they wouldn't have the need to protect all these other things. So when Rome destroyed all these other things, they wouldn't be destroyed internally. But because they put so they put their heart in all these other things, when Rome destroyed all the, the Bible says that they were lost. They were lost. Why? Because they failed to recognize Jesus as their true Messiah. Like I said, Palm Sunday should serve as a reminder to us: Is our worship for real? I love it. Kelsey, Kelsey said, I, I wish I would have wrote this down. I wish I would have thought of it. But the fact that she said, I was like, all right, Lord, I see you. But, you know, she said, I'm pretty sure everybody was giving a palm. But she said, not only is Palm Sunday, but I think she said something like, today is Palm Sunday. I'm like, ooh, every day, yes. The nerd in me was like, ooh, I like that. Every day is Palm Sunday. Every day is Palm Sunday. Every day we lift our hands. Jesus, I said, do you know why we lift our hands? Uh, lifting your hands when you go, when you, if you, I pray this never happens. I pray it doesn't. But if, you, if you're ever at a bank, like in the movies, you're at a bank, you know, minding your business, somebody comes in, this is a, this is a bank robbery. Well, you see everybody in the movie do, lift hands. You know, you got that, you got that one fool that's like, let me get my phone. No, bro, stop. Survive, you know, turn around, don't drown. Like, come on, survive in this thing. You know, you got the one person that's carrying, if I could just get a shot off. What you need to do is do what he says, okay? All right? But everybody instantly, they lift their hands. Why? Because it's a general, a universal sign of surrender. So every day for you should be Palm Sunday. You're, the moment you get up, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I don't know what today is going to look like. I know that I got to go to work, or I know I got to see this person, or I know I got to deal with these people, but right now I surrender. I surrender my day to you. What do you think is going to happen when you surrender your day to him? You think he's going to give you something bad? You think he's, oh, they fell for the trick, heaven, let's get them. Blicky, blicky, no. When you surrender to him, what do you think is going to happen? 
I'll tell you, there's a trade that happens. He said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30, when we surrender to him, when we give him our heaviness, there it is again. He gives us his burden of light, his yoke of light. Surrender your heaviness and receive his yoke that is easy and light. The last time I checked, I'll take some easy and light for, I'll take easy and light for a thousand, Alex. Like right here, this guy, I'll do it. And we all say, yeah, yeah, let's, I'll do that. But what, is, what, is, what does this say? Because those people in the Bible, they were, oh, yeah, we worship you. Yahweh, Hosanna. But this was saying something different. And you know why this was saying something different? Because right, if you, if you continue to study it out, and I encourage you to, and we'll talk a little bit about it next Sunday. But right after that, right after them glorifying him, he goes into the temple and that's when he turns the tables, one of my favorite stories. I love when you just turn tables. I'm like, there we go, Jesus. Synagogue, Jesus. That's what I like, synagogue. We, you know, if you're a son of thunder, any, everybody likes son of, son of, synagogue, Jesus. We like that. You know, Jesus healing people. Yeah, we like that too. You know, Jesus, you know, go and send them more. Oh, that's cool. But synagogue, bah, yeah, we like that. But the Bible says that literally after doing all that, after his grieving, he, you, he turns it into righteous indignation, and he goes in and he chases all the people in the, in the temple that are doing things wrong. And it upsets everybody. Like, hey, wait, we was just praising you. Come on, let, let us make this money too. We, we was just praising you. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to sacrificing the lamb and, all, and, and observing the law, but let, let us do these things on the side. And the Bible says that he stands in the, in the center I was saving it for that Sunday, but I'm just going to say. He was standing in the center of the temple with money changers on this side, money changers on this side. He was in the middle, splitting the difference in the temple. The lamb was in the middle of the temple, splitting the difference on both sides. As a sign that, guess what, in a few days later, the lamb was going to be in the temple, making the sacrifice on both sides, for both sides of the aisle. And once that sacrifice was counted, the temple would be split into two. Man, like, how could he do that? Because he's the boss. And he could stand in the middle of your mess and divide, run a, run a division line between the two and change everything up and clear it all out. Why? Because he's the boss. Because he's Jesus. That's what he does. He comes into your life and he will divide it up and say, okay, this isn't right for you. And this ain't right for you. But if you come to me, all that's heavy and laden, I will give you the very thing that you need. So by him saying that, he is saying, all your searching ends with me. All your searching ends with me. And the Holy Spirit is the one that prompts us. So guess what? Therefore, he is the alpha. Because if he's prompting you to think these things, Jesus is in the beginning of those thoughts. And if all the searching leads you to Jesus, he is the omega. See, we set you up from the beginning. At the end of the day, do you recognize that he's the alpha and omega in your life? Or is he the, the maybe? Or is he the in-between? I encourage you, church, let this, take this home and remind you, if you had to write on a sharpie somewhere on here, as a reminder, is my worship for real? Is my allegiance for real? Do I understand who the boss is of my life? Not, not, and, I, and when I say boss, don't think of like your work boss, that one person, like, oh, my boss, oh, my boss. We've all had bad bosses at one point in our life, at one point in a job from another. I ain't going to call them out. I can think of some. 
But Jesus isn't, when we say Jesus is the boss, we're not saying he's like that. He's the good shepherd. That's what he is. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but we put a picture of a lamb up in the lobby. And when we saw it yesterday in the store, I just, he said, I wanted it. I don't have any pictures of lambs in the house. I ain't got no little toy lamb. I got no lambs on my phone. I couldn't tell you any characteristics about a lamb except for they bad, they fluffy. That's all I know. You know, some lambs are good, some lambs are bad. I could help it. I had to. <laughs> I had to. But when I looked at this, something jumped off on me. I'm like, man, we got to get it. And I looked, it was $19.99. I said, I'll pay it. It's 20 bucks. I don't care. I want it. I want it for the church. And I, I'm thinking about that period throughout the whatever, doing stuff, living, raising kids, feeding kids, all that. And later on, not doing anything super spiritual, literally giving a bath to the boys. And the Holy Spirit said, love your neighbors as you'd love yourself. I was like, oh, that's it, Jesus. Because if you look at that picture, the two lambs, they're not just staring at each other. They're not just getting along there. They're face to face. Their faces are, are nets to each other. And not, 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 not side by side, but they're like literally one face laid upon the other. And I told kids, I got the scripture. Because when people walk in, and we'll, put, we'll, we'll title this however we need to title it, but when people walk in, I want them to know, hey, in this house, we love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. And we love our neighbors just like we love God. In fact, we love God with a face-to-face fellowship. We're pursuing face-to-face fellowship, but that's the type of fellowship we should have among our brothers and sisters. We don't just want to say it, but we want to be about it. Amen? We don't just want to wave palms with our hands, but we want our palms to be lifted every day. Amen? Amen, amen. This is the beginning of Holy Week. This is the beginning of Holy Week. I want to give you some things to observe during Holy Week this week. You don't have to, but just some things to marinate on as we get ready for Easter Sunday, as we get ready for Resurrection Sunday. You know, if you look this up, but, you know, yesterday is known as Commitment, uh, Commitment Saturday. Commitment Saturday, where Jesus, he knew he was going to go into Jerusalem and suffer at the hands of his creation and still remain committed to the Father's will. He knew he was going to go into all this, and he still remained committed. Yesterday was Commitment Saturday. Today, obviously, Palm Sunday, of course, or Procession Sunday, or the Triumphal Entry. Palm Sunday, it's where Jesus publicly, as he walks into Jerusalem. Tomorrow is known as Extravagance Monday. Somebody say Extravagance Monday. Extravagance Monday. Extravagance Monday. It's the day that the woman with the alabaster box pours all that she has out upon the Lord as an act of worship, gratitude, and love and joy. It's in her giving her most extravagant gift. We too should be the same and be reminded that the Father's most extravagant gift was given for you. His most extravagant gift. Lindy, what was that? Jesus. Number four. Compulsion to Completion Tuesday. I'm going to say that again. Compulsion to Completion Tuesday. I kind of said, I kind of hinted at the story, but there is a fire within Jesus to do the Father's will. He's so committed to the Father's will that he is pushing past all the opposition. Because when you look in the Bible, it says that after he literally chased out all the money changers and, the, and called everybody a den of thieves, the Bible says that they began to plot his demise right after that. 
And he knew that they was going to plot it. And he could have been like, well, I'm not going to do that. So they don't plot this attempt to kill me. But the Bible says, no, he knew it was going to happen, and he doubled down on it. He doubled down on it. From compulsion to completion Tuesday. Wednesday is known as the day of aloneness. Not just Jesus' aloneness, knowing that the next day he was going to give everything and be arrested, but also Judas's day of aloneness. Because Judas, knowing what he was going to do in the middle of the week, he experienced aloneness. And there's an aloneness that sin brings us. And it's worth reflecting on. Since Thursday is called the body given or holy Thursday. So where Jesus' body was given to the guards at, in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the Last Supper, the privacy of communion, holy Thursday. Seven, Good Friday. Somebody say Good Friday. Now, how can the death of one person be good? Well, it just wasn't one person. It was Jesus. And it was only temporary. And the Bible says that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he did it with you in mind. And with you in mind, he had joy in doing it. Amen. I'm going to say this. The all-powerful God had, he ended, on Good Friday, the all-powerful God made himself powerless to be a sacrifice for you and me. Mm, that's heavy. Saturday, we got two more. Saturday, Saturday night, or Saturday, it's known as night, or a.k.a. the darkness of the tomb. The coldness of death to live all day Saturday as the night. And then Sunday, somebody say Miracle Sunday. Everything that Jesus said and did pointed to this moment, which is he even conquers death. He even conquers death. A pharaoh couldn't hold him. Oppressive, oppressive giants couldn't squash him. A fiery furnace couldn't burn him up. A den of lions couldn't devour him. And not even the grave could hold him. Miracle Sunday. Miracle Sunday. So I encourage you this week, take all the themes of each day. Just take, look at them and, and begin to dwell on, marinate. Just, you know, meditate on them. Like, oh, man. We're, you know, even though Sunday's coming, there's this, there's this Christian song literally called Sunday's Coming. We ain't singing it. But it's called Sunday's Coming. But I love the theme of it. No matter what happened, no matter what he was going through the, the whole week of the Holy Week, no matter what, Sunday was going to happen. Yeah, he was crying because he knew he was going to have to die at the hands of people that worship him. He, he was crying because they were missed out on the opportunity of accepting him and receiving him as the Messiah. But he knew. And he would, I'll be honest about you, I'll be scared too going in, the, in the, the belly of the beast. Going into the depths of hell. But the Bible says that he didn't go there just to, all right, here I am. No. The Bible says that he went in there with an agenda to free the captives to destroy every ounce of bondage, every ounce of legalism, every, to undo every seed of darkness. And then guess what? Sunday was left. And Sunday says, the Bible, the Bible says that the grave couldn't hold him. And we'll talk about it Sunday. We're going to get into it because you got to, I hope you come Sunday. But meditate on these things. Why, Lindsay, why should I meditate? Because what else? You want to meditate on the news? We turned the news on yes, yesterday or Friday. I just started crying. And I'm not saying ignore what's going on in the community, but I just I started weeping. I'm like, Lord, these are schools. Jesus, these, it was a private school. A school associated with the church. And I'm like, Lord, where, where, where else is safe? 
I'm like, Lord, I, and instantly I just felt this overwhelming tidal wave of darkness begin to, felt like it was swallowing me up. And the Holy Spirit had to remind me who I am in. Okay, okay, Lord, okay. Uh, okay, no, 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 no. And as I reminded myself, okay, I, I, Jesus, I'm in you and you're in me. I live in you and you, my existence is in you. I could feel that tidal wave almost like it was coming, it was going in reverse, just moving back off. And what's left after that? Okay, Lord, I put my trust in you. I put, Lord, I trust you with my children. And that day we dropped Kellen, I dropped Kellen off the morning. I came, Lord, I trust you. You know, we, Kelsey does this prayer with the boys and I'm thankful for it. And I did a prayer with Kellen, but as we, as we dropped them off when we left, I did another prayer. Lord, I trust you. That's what my prayer said. Lord, I trust you. As he goes into that school, Lord, I'm trusting you. Drop Keenan off of my, Lord, I'm trusting you. When Kelsey texts me, hey, drop Cohen off of the baby. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm, I'm not just saying I trust, but Lord, right here, I'm trusting you. Church, please let today be a reminder. Every time you hear Palm Sunday, let it be a reminder to not just give lip service, but mean it right here. Mean it right here, amen.